Ayo, seat. You ready, seat? <laughs> Whatever, Jesus. I don't uh-huh. even know. What uh-huh. says. <laughs> Ew, I know. All you need in this life is shit. It's me, Cindy, your, your girlfriend. girlfriend. Yep, I know I'm a dork. A big ass. Dork. Just me. Now let's talk, let's heal, and let's grow. Together, of course. Hey guys, welcome back to the Life of Sin. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you guys about my battle with depression growing up until the day I conquered it. Or I guess like how I overcame and fought against the depression. And just a warning, um, it's going to get real deep real fast and it's going to get uncomfortable, but I'm free honestly i feel free when speaking um, on my battles and my story because you never know what somebody else is going through and honestly i'm just extremely like excited and even elated to share my story with you and just to be able to help spread awareness and on what depression is for at least my experience with depression and how i was able to like i said overcome it and in my introduction episode, I I just want to remind you guys that the goal is to spark healing and to make people feel safe and understand that I went through it too and I made it out alive and if I can connect with at least just one person, then I'll be extremely happy and content and at peace, you know? And I'm honestly, I'm a genuinely happy person majority of the time, so... I'm pretty much at peace with everything that has happened in my life and, you know, have, have forgiven everybody pretty much that I've ever encountered and, and asked for forgiveness as well. And yeah, so I'm a very peaceful person. I just want to share how I got here. Okay, so are you guys ready? <sighs> okay, let's start. So I am one of seven kids i'm also 23 years old i'm the fifth of my family i'm the fifth child i'm the fifth child and so i'm one of six girls as well one of seven kids but one of six girls and um i think my parents they just they really they really really wanted a boy but they had they had to give up on their their dream of having a little boy and and they stopped so like they stopped for like 10 years after like my mom is like 44 now she stopped when she was like 34 i guess my little sister but like 10 years later when my mom was 44 out popped my little brother you know and they got pregnant by accident and it's a beautiful blessing in disguise and i i take it as when you don't force things the things that you want will come naturally to you so i think it's because they kept forcing it that my that they never got what they wanted you know because they were trying to like they just only had kids to have like basically a boy um not saying that like they didn't want us or anything but it was a matter of like they wanted a boy you know i think everybody like especially having like so many girls you do eventually want a boy right so yeah there's seven of us and growing up with a lot of sisters you get compared and you get pitted against each other a lot and currently like or even just growing up, I was always a little bit bigger, or I guess a lot of bit bigger than my, my siblings. I was always like the chubby one. I was always, 
you know, called the fat girl or, like, the cow or, like, Big Mac. You know, that was really popular in elementary school. For those who are listening who went to my elementary school, you all, y'all know y'all called me Big Mac and shit. But <laughs> we can sit back and laugh about it now because I spoke, we pretty much, you know, as we grew up, we kind of, like, um, was just, like, what were we doing? We were just little kids, you know. We were, we were stupid, you know. So everybody pretty much, we made up and... You know, we just move forward in life, and that's the, always the goal. You know, you always want to grow and get better and not mistreat people and learn how to love rather than to bring people down, especially when you know that they're going through stuff as well. So, yeah, um, get pitted against your siblings. And my sisters, like, they are, like, so beautiful. I think all my sisters are extremely beautiful physically, and, like, they have, like, no body fat. They have not. I'm not saying that other people, like people with fat or like people who have curves and thick thighs like me you know and things like that aren't beautiful but growing up in asian culture like that you were taught that um looking like me how i look like right now and like the kim kardashians and serena williams and everything like that like that was not that is not considered beautiful in asian culture in asian culture you get to be like pale you have to be skinny you have to be perfect skinned and everything like that you know like it's just kind of like i i compare it to how like in kind of i guess caribbean culture like or even black culture like um you kind of try to say that you know the lighter you are the more better you are and like you know what i mean and they try to throw dirt or try to say that you know you know dark skin isn't beautiful when it is you know and my dad is fully like dark my dad is really dark and my mom is very very white so it's a very complete polar opposites and some of my siblings some are tan and some are not tan like me like i'm pretty much white-ish but like if i wanted to i could tan if i want to but i think i just choose to like stay out of the sun and make sure like my skin is healthy and stuff like that but anyway growing up um I told you it was going to get, like, real, real deep, real fast and uncomfortable. So I just want to warn you right now, guys, because I'm about to say about a lot of things. Something that, like, not a lot of people, I guess most people know about me, but I don't broadcast it on. I don't broadcast it online. I don't know why, but I was recording and my mic cut off, like, a few times. That's why it might sound a little bit um, choppy in the beginning and even just right now. Because I don't know what the heck happened. So. so I'm just going to get right into it and start here. My dad always had these parties, these summer parties and stuff like that. So me and my little sister, my cousins, and, you know, we would just be in this in the, in the room on the first floor of our, of our house. And it would just be open and we just were playing like old school Mario and, and stuff like that. And we were just chilling in the room. And I remember... One of my dad's friends, he he had called for me and he said, hey, can you show me where the washroom was? And I, as a kid, you don't really question, I mean, you question things, but like if an adult tells you something, you just kind of listen to them and you don't kind of like investigate further. Um, so for, but in my head, like he's been to my house plenty of times, like our house plenty of times. He knows where the washroom is because there's only one washroom. So, anyway, I just, I went with him, he held me by the hand, and he brought me to the washroom, or I showed him where the washroom was, and I said, here, you know where the washroom is, and he made me go inside, and he closed the door and locked the door behind him, and he said, um, 
if you tell anybody, I will hurt your little sister. And if you tell anybody anyway, then your mom is not, like, you're, you're a kid and I'm the adult and your mom and your dad, they're going to be really mad at you and they're not, they're going to disown you. Just like saying a bunch of shit, like, and you know, they're not going to believe you anyway because you're a little kid and you, you have no like say, you have no voice. That's what, and that's what he told me. This is another part where it got cut off, but that's what he told me. And I was of course fearsome and I just, I just remember being like so scared and confused and just I was I was also very aware of and made aware of my body as well and and, um, it, and it's crazy because I was made aware of what I look like and that it shouldn't look like this like and you and should not be made aware of that because at the end of the day you're not at five years old you're not your own parent at five years old, your parents are the one who are supposed to feed you and make you healthy and stuff like that. Not like, you know what I mean? And you don't portion your own food. So I was eating the same amount as my other sisters, but I guess my body handled the food differently and I just became like a little bit chubbier than my sisters and they were like skinny. Anyway, he, um, I was molested by my dad's best friend and, um, I just remember, like I said, uh, him telling me, like, not to tell my parents and that, like, he will hurt my little sister and hurt my little cousin. And I, I love my family very much. I love, I would do anything for my family. I would die for my family. I would do anything to make sure that they're safe and they're not hurt. Anytime something, a fight went down, I was always one of the first people to get in the middle of it. When my dad and my uncle were fighting, I was the first one to get in the middle of it, even though like I'm weaker and everything like that. I still would jump in and try to stop the fight. And I'm, I'm a very like, some people are like, uh, they're fight or flight and or freeze. And I'm more of a fight person. And I will, I will jump into that and not just watch it just happen on my watch. You know, even as a kid, I was I was getting into like in the middle of it like you know and trying to protect whoever was getting hurt at the time um but yeah so he molested me and you know I I just remember he left and I remember cl he closed the door behind him and he said wash up and just um clean your face and um I better not see you like crying downstairs or like if I like remember what I said just basically threatening me you know and of course like as a kid you're gonna have some fear and in Asian culture they don't prepare you for these kind of things you don't tell you hey don't let anybody touch you don't let anybody bring you to a washroom don't go by yourself somewhere make sure you're with a you know with a buddy or like they don't they don't make you aware of these things so you don't know like if it's wrong or not but I knew it was wrong because he was threatening me and I felt like fear you know and um he, like I said, he left, and I just remember sinking to the floor, sinking to the floor, and um, just trying to make sense of it, because you would think, like I said, like if it's your parents' friends or things like that, that no one would want to hurt you. I just think about like if I were to have kids, and my kids are on my friends. You know what I mean? My friends. My friends would love my kids the same or, you know, almost the same as me, you know, and 
I can't even imagine anybody wanting to hurt my kids and imagining like my own friends hurting my kids. Um, sorry. It just I'm 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 I've healed from it, but it's just of course I'm a I'm a very like in tune with my emotion kind of person and I allow myself to feel and I allow myself to be there again and experience that to and then to come out of it and gain power from it instead of going back into it and looking back and and just feeling just weak and stuff like that so I'm that type of person anyway um so my dad he during that time when I was five like I said I kept to myself I didn't tell my older sisters I have four older sisters and I didn't tell anybody because like I said I was fearsome for my little sister and that's all I cared about my little sister not getting hurt and during that time my dad had lost his company um, and my mom then had to start working like three jobs and I think that made my dad feel like less of a man and some people like instead of like seeing their wife working and blah blah instead of you know like some people would be like you know what I want to make sure my wife doesn't work and do all the work by herself I need a I need a man up I gotta I gotta you know find another job and you know bounce back and my dad some people are just like they either drown in their sorrows or they they overcome it and they fight against it you know um my dad was one of those people who drowned in their sorrows and my dad was battling a lot of stuff that he kind of pushed aside and I think that losing his company and going bankrupt like it really triggered that in him and the the this anger like growing up my dad I I viewed him as a monster like a menace like I was fearsome of my dad and you know, they're every girl, every little girl. They want their dad to be like their protector, and they want them to like make them feel safe and like make sure that no monsters get them. But me, growing up, I was running away from my dad. I was scared of my dad, and I thought he would kill me. I thought he would like, you know, I couldn't even even sleep in peace because I thought like. He was just going to come in and drag me out of my bed and just, like, slap me or, like, beat me and kick me in the face or kick me in my stomach or beat me with a pot and pan or, like, things like that, you know? And, uh, so, yeah, he was a very angry person. Um, and then anger, I guess, like, instead of, like, fueling that somewhere else, he used alcohol to cope with what was going on and to cope with his depression um i believe my dad also suffers from ptsd remember my parents i'm vietnamese and i think like my dad has suffered uh trauma as a kid and just um even during the vietnam war i, I believe he was also in the war as well so um He's, my parents have seen a lot of things, I'm sure, and um, they're, in Asian culture, they don't teach you how to deal with 
mental health or depression or like trauma they don't want no one they just expect you to just get over it and work through it and just get a job and you know make a family and create a family and that's it that's that's your life and you don't get to be still you don't get to experience what you're experiencing you don't get to feel you know you don't get to um try to heal anything you don't that's not that's not how it is that's not how life works for them it's just taking care of your family working taking care of family working working like nothing else like you know so my dad he leaned on alcohol and i remember like really really clearly in grade three that i didn't even know my dad was like looking over my shoulder or anything and this this is gonna sound stereotypical and he was not drunk at this moment he was just angry you know and I remember watching I was watching Saved by the Bell and doing my math homework and I guess he looked over my shoulder and he he saw that the question was wrong and um he's like are you he's like are you fucking stupid like that's not the fucking right answer and blah 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 and I'm like I'm like oh sorry dad like blah blah he's like are you no you're you're fucking sorry like I didn't raise you to be stupid I didn't raise dumb kids and blah blah like if I'm smart then that means you have to be smart and like I can do that without a calculator, so you should be able to do that without a calculator and things like that. And for that question, I didn't even use a calculator. I just did like the normal. It was like a multiplication po- uh, question, but I guess he saw that it was wrong. And I just remember like him picking me up by my neck and choking me and like swinging me around. And then he threw me on the floor against the wall and he started kicking me in my face, kicking me in my stomach and dragging me like by my hair around the floor and just and my mom coming down and saying stop stop and then you know i just because she let that happen for a little bit and before she stepped in she's like okay this too this is taking it too far and um he told me to get up he's like stand up and when i tried to stand up he I, I fell to the ground because I couldn't feel my legs. I couldn't feel my body. My body was numb from the beating. So when I tried to stand up, I fell imme- I immediately fell down and he beat me some more. And my mom's like, stop, stop, stop. You know, like, let, like that's enough. Like, you know, she learned her lesson. And I'm thinking in my head, like, what the fuck did I do? Like, because I got a question wrong on my homework. Like, I didn't, I wasn't like a bad kid. Like, I never got in trouble like that. Like, I was always a kind of like, a teacher's pet, you know, like, I was always a good kid, so I didn't understand, like, what he, what they meant by that, like, oh, like, that's enough, like, you know, like, she gets it, like, you know, like, I don't think that's a valid reason to beat your kids, you know, and senseless, and, like, to the point where they black out, you know, and my mom had to drag me to the washroom, and I couldn't stand up, so she made me sit down on the toilet, like, with the toilet seat down, and she just washed my face and with cold water and he came to the washroom again he's like are you fucking crying are you crying and i was like i was like no 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 like i'm not crying like you know and then he he slapped me again my mom's like stop like that's enough and then um the that i couldn't not like i said i could not move my mom basically had to drag me up the stairs to the washroom like i said like and then she put me in my my oldest sister's room and I just laid down, um, and 
the next day when I woke up, I couldn't move my legs. I couldn't get out of bed, and I was, I basically was sick. I felt sick and nauseous. So I had to stay home from school, and that upset my dad even more. He's like, what the fuck, are you fucking weak? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And he, he sat me up some more in my sleep, and like, um, at that point, at grade three, that was when I knew I wanted to die. That was when, like, I became suicidal. And because it wasn't just that one incident. It was, like, it was a lot of incidents since I was five up until that point. I don't even know how, what age grade three was, but, you know, you guys can do the math for yourself. Um, but, yeah, he... Um, it was like that the, my whole life. Like, he... I... I'm not gonna lie, I did start rebelling, and, um, I, I remember, like, wearing, because we're Buddhists, I remember wearing cross rings, like, from, my sister used to work at Ardeen, she was, like, a, sorry, she was a manager at Ardeen, or Arden, if you will, so I would tell her, like, oh, can you get me rings, like, and blah, blah, and she would get me, like, I told her, get me a cross ring. And I knew that my parents, they weren't Christian. So at the dinner table, I would like wear the cross ring. My mom like, take that off, like, take that off. Like, you're not Christian, you're Buddhist. And for me, it was like, you guys, in my head, I was like, Buddhism is supposed to be a peaceful religion. And I don't know if you guys know the story of Buddha, but I'll, I'll say it right now. Um, basically, he was like a... A prince he came from royalty and his dad basically hid him from any pain and suffering he didn't he didn't understand he didn't know that there were poor people he didn't know that there were people that were starving or dying or sick because he was sheltered in his castle basically and um, one day you know because he was rebellious he um, he went on to explore his kingdom and um, this is Buddha also Buddha was a real person it wasn't like you know like in a book or anything like that he was legit like a person in history um, so basically he went off into his kingdom and he saw people suffering he saw people that were sick and he saw people that were starving and he kind of looked at himself and was like whoa like I'm in he's like he realized his privilege and that he had all this um, all the food and shelter and and the warmth and things like that and this protection and his own kingdom that they they rule are are out here you know not just suffering like I said and so he made it when he saw that he made it um, a point to become Buddha to become this person to end suffering and Buddhism is about ending suffering and being compassionate and there's no such thing as a hell you know and there's no like if you make a mistake you don't go to hell or you don't have a god like um punishing you for your mistakes it's more like whatever you choose to do in this life you are the person that will have to deal with your own consequences like you will deal that with that consequence there's nobody else that will deal or handle you that consequence it's like so you act accordingly meaning like you you be the best person that you can be and that will be your karma basically you know and 
I understand that sometimes even great people, they experience trauma and they experience, you know, um, trials and tribulations and pain, you know, but it's all for a reason, I feel like, and like, it's to become stronger, to gain experience, and it's to help you understand that, like, things that, that kind of treatment isn't okay, you know, and you can spread that kind of awareness in the future after you've, you've experienced that and you gain a better, a better understanding of other people and why they do the things that they do. So yeah, anyway, that's the story of Buddha. And so yeah, I would wear these cross rings to the dinner and, you know, I'm like, get my ass beat. And for me, it was just like, I was just giving up on life. I was like, I was just taking it. I was just eating it up, like the beatings. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm worthless anyway. I'm not, I'm not anything. Cause my dad, he would, he would talk to us like we were dogs. He'd be like, you, you guys are dogs. Like you women, you girls, you guys are dogs. Like, like if I wanted to, like if I can, if I make, if I tell you to go on all fours and bark, you would do that shit because I'm the man of the house and you're, you guys are like my bitches basically. And my mom would be like, my mom would step in like, why are you saying that? He's like, you're my bitch too, you know? And he would disrespect my mom as well. Like anytime, like my like my dad didn't beat up on my mom like that i remember i remember very very clearly i heard a slap we all heard a slap from our rooms and because they were in their own room and my mom screamed and i immediately jumped off my bunk bed and ran to my mom and um i i pushed my dad and i didn't care if i got punches or whatever if he was beating me at the same time but no one no one gets to touch my mom i don't care what the fuck bullshit like me and my mom have went through and her not mentally being there for me or whatever no one deserves to get hit and beat and especially if you know you have power and you know you're built stronger than other people it's a cowardly move to hurt people who cannot defend themselves properly do you know what i mean because my dad was a grown-ass man beating up on a five-year-old kid or a six-year-old kid and you know my parents honestly they just like i said growing up like you you learn a lot of things and you learn that like your parents they love you and the only way that they know how with the tools that they were taught so like it was like generational like their parents treated them the same way if not honestly worse because in vietnam like there's no like you don't call you you don't call the cops on your parents there's no rules like that, you know, so it's just people can get beat to death, people can get, like, all this stuff like that, and no, they would never get in trouble, you know, so I know my parents had it more rough, I guess, but pain is pain at the end of the day, and when you experience that kind of pain, like, some people, like I said, they'll, they'll, they'll try to be, like, they'll drown in it or not, or they'll overcome it, and some people will, like, hey be like hey because i experienced this i would never want my kids to go through the same things that i went through and some people are like you know what because because i went through this i'm going to do this with my kids so because look how i turned out i i I end up you know listening i ended up following in line and you know not being like a bad kid or whatever you know what i mean like they'll they'll try to make excuses for that type of behavior because they don't know any better and growing up i hated like i hated my dad i hated my parents i hated i hated it like and um i carried this every day this 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 pain and it was like 
I likened it to like if your house was on fire and the aftermath of the fire being put out it's like you're engulfed in this smoke and you cannot breathe it was like you're suffocating that's how I felt every single day of my life from when I was five years old to the day I moved out basically and um yeah like so I started cutting myself in grade I think it was like grade six and I remember it was me this girl her name's Ashley we were doing it like just to fuck around in class and like she took a pair of scissors and she just cut her her wrist and she started bleeding she's like oh my god like like we were trying to trying to make fun of, we were actually making fun of it because we we watched some back then there was um this this youtuber he's still around but it was like this asian youtuber called um uh niga higa and um he would do this stupid shit like well like emo and like being emo and stuff like that and no one knew like none of my friends like no one in school knew i was like battling depression and low-key like wanting to kill myself and trying to kill myself so when we were playing around like that like when i first cut myself with the scissors i that was when i realized oh shit like it felt good as sick as that might sound it felt like my body like I have, I'm carrying, I'm overflowing with all this pain, and it, I was about to combust, you know, and it felt like that, and it felt like once I cut myself, that, that pain, it was like numbed for a bit, because it poured out in that sense, because you're legit, it's symbolic, like you're, the blood is coming out, so your pain is coming out, and you don't have to like feel like it's boiling and like you're like you're you're suffocating inside and like um you're carrying all this weight it was like a release if you felt lighter after doing it and maybe it's because you're losing blood but like um you felt lighter and you felt less heavy you know like i felt that pain and i was feeling heavy like every day of my life and um i started covering up a lot and I stopped wearing, showing my skin. I, I was wearing long sleeves. I was wearing cardigans. Cardigans were my big thing. Honestly, anyone in school, like they'll tell you, like Cindy was always wearing a cardigan. She was always wearing long sleeves. She was always wearing long stuff to like the swimming pools and shit like that. So that was my thing. I was wearing sweats. I wore Uggs in the summer. Oh my god! Like I was wearing like a lot of like like things that were covering myself. And I remember like. One day, I think I was in grade seven or so, I was washing dishes and you know, Asian, any parent, they're gonna be like, what the fuck, roll up your sleeves. Why are you wearing long sleeves to wash your dishes when you're gonna get your sleeves wet? So my parent, my mom was in the kitchen with me next to me and my dad was sitting on the couch watching sports. I think it was like basketball or something. And um, she was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like put your sleeve up so she put my sleeve up for me on my left on my left hand arm and she saw the cuts i was already cutting myself like from with a knife at home and with a blade because my dad had these blades for work around so i was using blades as well and i would hide them underneath like beds or like things like that so that you know 
um, so I could I could cut myself at nighttime and stuff like that, or like cut myself whenever, just easy access, so I wouldn't have to like um, meet people downstairs in the living room and they and I take a knife and I take it upstairs. They're gonna see what I'm doing, so I would like hide knives and blades um, around me so that I could cut myself. And um, I remember my mom was like, she's like, oh, like you're cutting yourself. She's like, huh? and she started laughing. She's like, what are these? What is this shit? Like, you're, and she started laughing. And I remember, like, just being in shock because at that point, I was hiding it from everybody. I wasn't trying to do it for attention, so nobody knew. Like, I wasn't depressed and, like, trying to, like, cry out for help or anything like that. I was suffering in silence, and I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't tell anybody I was cutting myself. I didn't, like, I just kept it to myself. So that's why I wore long sleeves so that no one would have to ask questions and no one would be bothered. I didn't want to bother people or burden people with um, what I was going through. And plus, like, I knew that, like, they were just like, yo, get the fuck over it. You're like, you're being a pussy. You're being a bitch. You're being, like, a punk. Like, get over it. Don't do this white people shit. That's what they would say. Like, they would, don't do this shit. Like, this is the mainstream media shit, you know? Like, um, so when that happened, my mom said those words. I remember dropping the plate in the sink and my dad screaming he's like oh like what the fuck are you doing why are you why are you banging the plates or whatever and um I remember just saying oh like I just got my period I just had to say something I didn't know what to say something that he could understand I'm like oh I'm bleeding that's why because uh so he's like okay go to the washroom then and then I went to the washroom and I just ran upstairs and mom's like oh there she goes there she goes running away running crying uh for no reason and um I just remember going into the bathroom and finding my little blade that I hid in, the, in the, the cupboard and just cutting myself because of that, because of that moment. And I gave myself like maybe like 10 new fresh cuts on my wrist and on my forearm, I guess. Um, yeah, I just remember wanting to die. And I, um, it was like an ongoing battle in all of high school. I wasn't even focused on boys or anything like that. I was in high school. I was working, and I was going to school, and I was skipping school as well because I was battling depression and anxiety. Like I felt like, like people like it was weird because like because I was cutting myself, it was like I was hiding something. So I felt like if I went to school, that people would like see through my pain and they would know, but nobody noticed. You know, nobody saw because I I think I put up a, a good front and. Um, you know, through that time, I, I met my best friend in grade nine, Aaliyah, Aaliyah Ruplal, and, um, she knew what was going on, and she, honestly, even at first, she told me, she's like, and honestly, I'm gonna have her on a podcast, on the pod on the podcast, so that she can tell her side as well, but she had told me, like, when I would explain to her, like, what I was going through at home, she didn't believe me, and she didn't believe me until, I think when she was, I think she was there or like she was on the phone with me one time and she just heard like the, I think I was getting beat on the phone while I was on the phone and like, and um, then was when she believed me and um, for me, like I said, I'm not a person who would just cry out for attention and I don't like attention on me. So me sharing that, it was like, okay, like, I'm sharing this because I trust you because I I have nobody else, you know, and she was like my like only savior, you know, at that moment. And there's a time like there's a lot of times where 
you know, like, we would go swimming at her condo, because she had a swimming pool, and I would just show her, like, my cuts, and she would just talk about, like, like, Cindy, like, you deserve to be happy, you know, like, you know, your parents, your family, like, something's, it's not normal, this is not how love is supposed to be, like, and I just remember, like, running away from home and disappearing for it. Like, me and my dad got into a fight. Or I think it was me, one of them, like, one of my parents, we got into a fight and, like, they smashed, like, a plate on me and I was, I was bleeding on my thigh. And I called Aaliyah and I was like, can I stay at your house? And, like, I just left without telling my parents where I was going. And, um... Uh, Aaliyah was with her her mom going grocery shopping she said just you know wait in the lobby and I I was able to get in the in the building and I just uh, was sitting on the floor in front of her apartment door waiting for her, her and her mom to come home and um, I just remember seeing them come through the elevators and I just felt like I had nobody else like except them and that's crazy because like I have I'm one of seven kids you know so I always had a full house so like to be around so many people yet still feel so alone and no one's being there for you and like you know and I like I said as a group I realized a lot of things and you know my sisters they were going through their own stuff and they didn't sorry i was crying but they didn't know any better you know they didn't know any better they didn't know how to be there for me you know and i didn't trust anybody i didn't feel safe so that's why i didn't trust anybody because there would be times like i said i'd be getting beat and i'd just be like praying you know screaming for someone to save me like please like come like say something to him like you know stop this you know and no one would ever come like, no one would ever stop it, you know? So, but yet, when they were fighting, like, when my sisters are grown-ass people, adults, like, and I'm a little kid, coming in the middle of it while my dad is trying to, like, hit my other, per like, my sister or whatever, like, you know, like, I was always jumping in, you know? So, like, um, I remember, like, like I said, going to Aaliyah's house and um, sleeping there for, like, I think it was, like, two, three days or so, and no one... I remember like we were sitting on her bed and I was like crying to her just telling her my experiences and like what's going on and I just remember like telling her I'm like oh my god like literally I haven't got one text not one text from any of my family members no one wondering where I am no calls from my mom and dad like no one was checking up on me and I was like I just remember crying I'm like look see like nobody cares about me like no one even texted me if I was okay and in that moment I got a text and it said, are you okay? And it was from Aaliyah who was sitting right next to me. And I just remember crying even, I just broke down even more cause like, I was just so grateful to have somebody like her, like a sister like her, you know? And it's crazy. Like I said, I have five other sisters. Yeah, you know, she was more of a sister than I could than I, I've ever had, you know, like, than I've ever experienced. She was more a sister to me than anybody in my my life, my entire life, that I ever met. And 
she listened to me and she cares, you know, like, it was for the first time in my life that I felt heard, you know, and I was silent for so long about it and she, she just made me feel safe and her mom as well. So, um, I just, like I said, I just remember being grateful and this is all in high school, by the way, guys, like I said, and, um, um, I was, like I said, I was working after school, so after school I'd finish high school, I'd go to work for like 4, 4 o'clock to, um, maybe like 12 a.m. at night, I don't know if that's legal, but you know, I was like 14 and like, to like, whatever age, working those hours, but my, my boss at that time, he would like put me in a cab and like, make sure I got home safe, or he would make sure like, one of my good friends to this day, who was like my brother, um, his name's Razak, and he knew my story as well and he I looked at him as an older brother as well and he would walk me to like the bus stop to make sure make sure I got on my my streetcar to to go home or whatever and he'll like text me when I, when you get home just to make sure that I would felt safe and he doesn't even understand like his role as well like I, I, I was that I was battling during that time and I was battling my depression I was battling suicide I at that point I, I, I tried to commit suicide two times at that point and I tried putting a belt around my neck and um, trying to hang myself in my basement and um, I just remember like <laughs> it's gonna sound funny but it just uh, snapping off because I didn't put it on properly that's <laughs> awful so, I just remember feeling like my head falling into my lap, I guess, because I was sitting. And, um, yeah, it was just, he didn't even know, I didn't tell him I was suicidal, but he knew I was going through stuff at home with my dad, so he doesn't understand, like, he was like a little guardian angel for me as well. So, Razak, when you listen to this, I hope you know that you low-key helped save my life as well during that time. And, um, yeah, so, basically, like, it was, like, every day, like I said, like, my dad would just torment me, like, I was his favorite target, and I think it's because I was, like, the biggest girl in the house, like, the fattest, so, it was, the, I don't know what the correlation was, but maybe it's because he thought I could handle it, because I'm big, you know, or, like, or whatever, like, my parents didn't give me love, I was never the favorite child, you know, the only, like, the only people that ever, like, loved me were my teachers, like, Miss Lind, Miss Han, like, a lot of, like, my teachers, they, they, they really, like, were mother figures to me, and they didn't even know, like, they knew I was going through stuff, but they didn't know, I don't think they understood the extent of what I was going through, and my battle, um, my whole life, so, um, I can speak to them now about it, you know, about my, my struggles and everything, but they didn't know during that time as a kid in grade six with Miss Lynn. Miss Lynn was my favorite teacher, Inga Lind, or I guess Inga Little now because she's married, but she has an amazing family, beautiful kids, you know, and it just makes me really happy to see her happy. And she was always, you know, there for me. Even when she was on maternity leave, you guys, she was, she gave me her MSN. And Miss Lynn, I don't know if you remember, but like your 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 um <laughs> your MSN name was like Miss Booty Call with like a zero in it, like Miss Booty Call, and we would talk on MSN. And that wasn't honestly, I don't even think that was allowed, but 
she was like my mother figure and she remember she told me that she was gonna be there for me and she kept her word and i remember email even emailing i was emailing her as well like um you know my day how my day would go and what i battled that day and like and and she was just there for me just somebody to listen to someone that was older that was an adult that would could hear me you know um during that time like you know i had a lot of little guardian angels and i'm very thankful because if it wasn't for them i don't think i'd be the same person you know i don't think i would develop into this kind of woman that i am today and like anyway back to Aaliyah. um i would always tell Aaliyah, you know like i owe my life to you you know because if it wasn't for you I wouldn't be here and she would always tell me like Cindy like do not give me the credit because at the end of the day you saved yourself and you did the work you know all I could do for you was be there for you and listen to you and try to talk you out of it because I'm gonna get into the story of how um, I kind of overcame it and basically um, my dad, but again, like I said, he was still beating on me and he was still like um, bothering me, still targeting me, and and my whole family like they would they would talk they would dog on my weight and like the way I looked, like my skin, if I had pimples, like they would just tell me how ugly I am. They would just say like how like I remember my mom like um, she would bribe me. She's like, oh, I'll give you a hundred dollars if you lose fifty pounds. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, and my mom had like mental breakdowns. I remember like a two hour mental breakdown. Um, and my sisters were all home and you guys better not fucking lie. Like this is, this is legit. This is what happened. She was like, you know, my friend saw you the other day at Tim Hortons and she said that, you know, you're big, you know, like, and then my mom was like, you don't, do you not care about me? And I said, what? She's like, do you not care about me? Like, you're selfish. And I said, how am I selfish? Like, because if you if you really loved me, if you really cared about me, you would lose weight. You would be skinny for me. You'd be skinny for your mom who gave you life, you know? And I said, mom, like, we live in Canada. We live in a world where, like, everybody is accepted. Um, I remember Ellen was on one day, and me and my mom were watching Ellen. Or she was just on the, on the couch with me. And Khloe Kardashian came on and I was like, Mom, look, you see, like she she's curvy. She's she's on TV and she's, you know, like she's no one's making fun of her, no one's embracing no, well, I mean I'm pretty sure she was gonna be fun of, but like, because, um, you know, being a celebrity that's part of that the kind of lifestyle. Like you're bound to battle those things. Um, but yeah, I just want to tell my mom, like, mom, like, you know, see there's people in in this world that are beautiful and they're still curvy and i was trying to teach my mom these lessons and she's like what the fuck are you talking about we're vietnamese i don't care what country we are in this is how it is in our family and you're basically you're you're a disgrace you're shameful and every time i look at you i get disgusted both my parents told me that every time i look at you i get disgusted and i never did anybody i, didn't, I never did anything like to like make them feel this such hatred and i didn't understand it um until like oh one day basically as well one day i heard I overheard my parents fighting and um uh, my mom screaming like oh you let your 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 friend 
touched my children. You touched my. You let your friend touch my child. Like my child. Like she was screaming, and I thought like my parents were talking about me, you know. But they were talking about somebody else, you know. And I was like, what the fuck? So they knew like what was going on. They knew what happened, but. I think it's because, like I said, my parents don't know. They didn't know how to deal with that type of situation. And it wasn't until Mother's Day. I know you guys might think I'm an asshole for this, but I was battling my depression, like I said. And this is before I, I conquered it. This is right before I conquered it. Um, uh, or started started the healing process, if you will. And so my sisters got into a fight on Mother's Day. My mom went to her room, she started throwing a fit, she's like, oh no, like, this is my day, and you guys are making it about you, you guys are fighting, and blah, blah, and everyone was taking their rounds, like, um, and my mom had requested me to go to her room to talk and stuff like that, so I, I was talking to her, and then she just, she said something that triggered me, and she was like, you know, I'm a mother, you guys have no right to be sad, I'm sad, you know, and I'm like, excuse, and I was like, excuse me, like, how, uh, and that, that, that pissed me off, and I was, I was triggered, I was like, what, like, you don't even know what the hell I've been through, I've been through hell, like, and like, I've been through hell, and I can't even talk to my own family, I can't even talk to any of you guys, I can't, like, I can't even talk to my own sisters about it, you know, and like, and I told her, I was like, you know what, you, you want to tell me that I have no right to feel sadness, I have no right to be depressed about anything because I'm not a mother, what kind of bullshit is that, and I just, t and that's, on Mother's Day, that was the day when I told my mom, like, your friend, dad's friend, you guys' friend, touched me when I was little, and you guys kept him around, and you guys allowed him to babysit me and my little sister. You know what I'm saying? And and then I remember like saying like you think I don't know pain? I know pain. I had to live with this. I did not I couldn't I wasn't able to talk about it because of you guys. And then I, just imagine me being confused as a kid with dad beating on me and you guys beating on me and then I'm battling this inside your friend touching me at the same time. You guys are bringing him over. You guys are humiliating me in front of your friends, beating me up. Dad would beat me up in front of his friends. My dad would be drunk, and he'd be like, Sydney, come here. And he'll just, like, slap me, and his friends would just laugh. And the one that molested me laughed, you know? Like, and I just remember, like I said, I told you, like, I, I wanted to die. There were so many times I was, like, thinking of ways to die. Thinking of, like, okay, like, if a car comes past me, if, if a bus comes past me, I'm just going to jump in front of it. Because I watch Mean Girls. I'm not as stupid as I saw it. I was like, you know what? I'll just pull up Mean Girls and, like, jump in front of this bus and just die, you know? Like, that's what I was thinking as a kid. And it's crazy, the contrast of how I am now, you know? And like I said, um, I told my mom, and she said, she stopped her crying. She stopped sobbing after I told her. She's like, well, what do you want, what do you want me to do about it? Like, like... You want a cookie? Like you want you want what do you want me to do? And I just remember being shocked. I was like, what the fuck? Like I you would think if your child opens up to you about one of your friends molesting you your child, you would think that like you would comfort your kid. But in that moment my mom made it about her and she said, you know, you pull this shit on Mother's Day? You want to tell me on Mother's Day? And blah, blah, blah. 
Like, you clearly don't care about me. You're selfish. You're selfish. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me being sad, not about you. And I was like, no, mom. This is not right. We're dying. All of us are suffering. I told my mom, like, we're dying in here. And it's, you're the mom. We're not supposed to be the mom. Like, if you didn't want to have to deal with this, you shouldn't have been a mom. Like, you shouldn't have chosen to have all these kids and not know how to protect us from your husband. Not know how to protect us from your friends. You know what I mean? And obviously, I was in that state. That was pretty hurtful, but, but I didn't know any better as well. Like, I, I was just speaking from this pain, you know, that I was holding in my whole life. And my, my, my parents adding to my pain, you know, and inflicting pain on me, you know, like, so my mom was just like, yeah, like, what do you want me to do about it? Like, you know, like, and then I just, I just told my mom, like, I, I said, I'm done. I'm over this. I'm done with you. I said, I'm over it. Like, I tried to keep it together, but you, I said, you, you need help. I told my mom, like, you need help. Like, you, you don't care about us. I told her, like, and I shouldn't have said that, but, you know, I said, you don't care about us. You don't care about me, you know? I was a little girl. I couldn't protect myself, you know? And, like, I just remember telling her all these things, and she is just, like, I'm like, I'm, and then I just, she was talking to me, and I didn't want to hear anymore, so I just, I just stood up and left while she was talking. And she just, I just heard her, like, crying out loud even more, and I just remember, like, <laughs> Uh, texting, texting my second oldest sister, who I was like, you know what? I just, I just decided to tell her what happened, and um, she basically told me that she kind of went through the same thing with that same person, and um, to talk, to tell my oldest sister about it. So I went and told my oldest sister, and mean, just to let you guys know, I didn't talk to my sisters, my siblings, from grade six up until grade uh, 12 basically i didn't tell i didn't talk to them i held a grudge because they betrayed me about something and i never trusted them and i never felt safe around them and they would always fight with me and they would always be like telling my mom like oh small sydney doesn't want to be my friend sydney doesn't want to talk to us like my mom would be like Sydney, like, you have to get along with your sisters. I'm like, I'm, I am. Like, I'm minding my business, and I'm not talking to them. I'm not trying to start trouble. So how can I start trouble if I don't talk? Do you know what I mean? So I just minded my business, and I was just focused on, like, you know, like, staying alive with my piano, staying alive with my writing, with writing music, with singing, with drawing and reading. Like, I... I would get in trouble for reading in my room. Like, legit. That's how crazy it was. And my mom like, do you not have a life? Like, why, would you, why are you fucking reading? Like, you would think it would be the opposite with Asian people, like, Asian parents. Like, look, they want you to read. They want you to stick in school. But no, my mom's like, why are you reading so much? You know, stop reading. But that was my only way to, like, reading was one of my only ways to escape this reality of what my life was. So I just, I, it, it, I did that to, to pass me by. And I was watching a lot of comedy at that time, too. I was, I was watching a lot of stand-up and, like... Uh, watching Dave Chappelle's stand-up all the time and his even the, 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 the Dave Chappelle show and like watching Kevin Hart's like OG kind of stand-up stuff too like those were the things that were like keeping me alive and you know watching Rush Hour as well and just you know funny movies and super bad stepbrothers and things like that so yeah and um I remember telling my oldest sister and I texted it to her 
And she was like, you know, like, you just gotta get over it, you know? That's what, that's what she told me. She like, just get over it. Like, what do you want me to do about it? It was the same like my mom. And I was like, are you fucking serious? Like, this is why I didn't open up to you guys. This is why. Because you guys don't know how to be there for people. You're seeing my oldest sister. Like, you don't know how to be there for me, you know? And I... Anyway, I'm gonna pause here and do the rest of how I overcame my depression in the third episode, which I'll upload literally right after this one because it's a little too long and I, don't, I want people to stay enticed and listen to what is what I endured, right? And I want to, people to separate what I endured, what I endured throughout my life and um, how I overcame it in the second part. So I'm just separating it here and um, to be continued in the next episode.